Truth News Network. Texas declares war on the border. And their enemy? The United States. Who do you think is going to win that conflict? More importantly, how will it be resolved? These are questions few have the nerve to ask, but we do. We're TNN, the Truth News Network. And your straight talker is Dan Newman. No doubt we do have a war at our southern border, not declared officially, but it is a war on the United States Constitution and the rule of law. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to TNN Live. Welcome to a brand new week. I'm so thankful you choose to join us here today. And we've got a special show today with a surprise in-studio guest. I'm not going to tell you who it's going to be. You will hear that person in the next hour, and you're going to want to stick around. So obviously the 900-pound gorilla in the room, not just in the room, but on the planet right now, happens to be Hamas and their invasion of Israel over the weekend. It is not a pretty sight. So we're going to get into all of that. Let me tell you up at the top of the show, we're not going to do the repeats that you're hearing on all the national news sites. We're not going to do that. We're going to go another direction, but around the corner, it's going to be all about the evil that's being perpetrated on a bunch of innocent people. Who's doing it and why and what probably is the end result that these actors in this war are wanting to achieve. We've got some stuff to release to you that you're going to shake your head. You won't believe that it's actually happening. So you want to buckle in. Our special guest will join us shortly, and you're going to be excited to know who it is and to hear what they have to share with us today. So in the meantime, I want you to pat your foot. So, relax, drink another cup of coffee, and just forget about the nasty stuff just for a few minutes, okay? Here's one that will help you do just that. Toby Mack, of all people.
the same again Yeah, you came crashing in You ripped me, you ripped me Love came crashing in Never gonna be the same again Yeah, you came crashing in You ripped me, that's how I know That's how I know quite a guy in contemporary Christian music. That's an example. Um, that's one of his big hits off his last album. And uh, he's a really good guy. Great musician. He writes all that stuff and has, of course, a great band. I saw him, I, I guess, maybe two years ago. You know, Fox News on their morning show, certain times of the year during, I think, the spring, maybe, they'll have a, uh, a different group or singer on Friday morning, and when this album broke, they had Toby Mac and his band on that day, and it was packed. A lot of young people relate to that type of music. They don't want to be considered oh fogies, you know, that old traditional Christian music, which I grew up in and most of you grew up in, and there's nothing wrong with it. I still like the old favorites, but I like this stuff too. Well... Let's get right down to business. Everybody knows by now, Israel is under siege. And Israel is under siege by who knows who. But we know it's a bunch of people that don't have any business being there, have no right to be there, and they're there anyway. There are a lot of moving parts in what went on, and our special guest just walked into the room. I'll I'll wait a minute. I'll wait a minute. Um... I'll go ahead. Let's put put the headphones on, and uh, you just can talk straight into the microphone. Pull it towards you a little bit. You mean, and you so, mean this, and, this microphone? Yeah, a real radio microphone. Buddy, wow. that is, that's a uh, a Neumann. 
I know. So, so be sweet to it. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited. <laughs> yes, you heard the voice. Steve Baker is joining us in the studio. Now tell the people what you walked into the studio with in your hand. Well, I, first of all, I walked into the studio. Um, or let's just call it your, your reception area. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and first met with your receptionist. Yes, which would be Marianne. Who made me two, uh, well, actually, a fresh cup of coffee, but uh, in order to fill up this size of a game. She had to do it she, twice. She had yeah. to do it twice. And then we have the fresh cinnamon roll. Oh, you do? Oh, it's right here in front of me. Is it one? She only gave you one cinnamon roll? Well, I, I think there's a, two whole pans out there. Oh, my goodness. Maybe if she's listening, there might be one for the show host. <laughs> Not a pan, just one cinnamon <laughs> roll. <laughs> James Posey, who's a great drummer, by the way. We yeah. played music together many years ago. He listens every day. He just he just popped up when I said, ask you what you had. He said, a cinnamon roll. <laughs> yeah, Steve Baker is with us now. Just for those of you that know he lives in North Carolina, and he spends a lot of time in Washington, D.C. He is now officially a correspondent for the Blaze Network, which is headquartered in Dallas. So what that means is Steve is burning the rubber off his car going back and forth from North Carolina, Washington, D.C., and Dallas. And you've been over in Texas here for a few days, haven't you? I have. I spent uh, all last week there, and that was obviously to release the big story that we did part one of last week. Right. And then I, I'm i expecting to have to be there any day this week, but I kind of had a, a hint, maybe a feeling that because of what happened in the Middle East, that that would take a priority over my stories that are coming out this week. Yeah. So um, I figured I'd get a couple extra days here in Shreveport. And Glenn Beck is a really real big supporter oh, of yeah. Israel, yeah. big supporter. So. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. We want to break down all the stuff. We want to talk more about the J6 big blockbusters, plural, that are coming out. Mm -hmm. And guess what just walked in the studio door? <laughs> My very own cinnamon roll. She heard you. Yeah. Well, she listens most of the time anyway. <laughs> uh, only listens to me when the show is on. <laughs> Other than that, she doesn't care. I'm joking. Uh, but we want to get into that in a little bit. But let's launch into the not the fact that, you know, there are 800 people that are killed. We've heard that ad nauseum, and it's horrible. I want to stipulate going in. What happened should never have happened. And one of the things I want to ask you about, because you're really into the intelligence agencies and understanding, Mossad, Israel's... CIA slash FBI all rolled into one. They are known for being the world's best at knowing what's going on all, all around them. Mossad apparently missed this. They did not make a peep about it. They either missed it or somebody inside clamped down and didn't want the information to get to the Jerusalem government. Benjamin Netanyahu. I can't understand and nobody in the United States can understand because they're known being far better than our intelligence operations. What do you think happened? When it first happened, Dan, I didn't believe it was an intelligence failure. And I am the last guy to immediately jump to the conspiracy theory. Yes. I, I just 
I, I couldn't believe it. The size, the scope of the operation, the amount of planning that was necessary for them to have coordinated as many attacks that they did simultaneously. 27 spots at one time. And that was, that means there has to be electronic communication. And they have the ability to capture all of that. I really, really was skeptical when this happened. But last night, I did reach out uh, to my principal sources. And without exception, they are saying, no, this was a failure. This was not a false flag operation. This was not set up by the CIA and Mossad. Uh, to start a war and to bring the nations uh, in that area into war, to start World War III. They said, no, this was a real failure. And then I said, of course, obviously, if Mossad and and um, the IDF and, and, of course, even the CIA and Shin Bet, if they, if they could not catch this, then what was it? And the answer was this. They have become just as woke and just as, um, how, how well, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll just, I'll pull up, I'll pull up what was sent to me last night. He said that, that <laughs> they've spent far too much time trying to overthrow Netanyahu and becoming woke in their political game to spend protecting their country. Let me, <laughs> let me make a prediction for you. We are going to find out at some point, and because our woke government was in cahoots with the other side yeah. of the Israeli government, yep. the side opposite of yep. Netanyahu, who is one of us, by the way, mm-hmm. we are probably going to find out there was in the Israeli government woke naysayers, hated Netanyahu, that have been talking to, at least talking to and with Hamas, Hezbollah, maybe even the Iran central government. Mm-hmm. There's no other plausible explanation for it being so coordinated because Hamas, they don't have the ability to do a deal like this. They could not, first of all, they couldn't get enough of their people to shut up and listen and follow orders to hit 27 sites yeah. simultaneously. That should scare every American. It should frighten all of us because of what's been coming across the border for the last three years. We have five and a half million, and we are seeing tens of thousands in single caravans and trainloads of military-age young men from multiple nations, China, the Middle East, Africa, Central America, South America, coming into our country not a single child, not a single woman. These are not refugees. If these were refugees, we would see the the starving children. We would see the the tired, the homeless, the sick, the weary. But we're seeing military-age young men, healthy, coming across the border by the tens of thousands. And they're not being turned away. So they're here somewhere. They're here. That should scare us more than what is happening in Israel. If it happens there, why couldn't it happen here? Well, it could happen here because you said the key uh, phrase just a moment ago is that it wasn't necessarily a plan.
planned false flag from within the government, but probably those woke elements within these agencies that turned the blind eye and turned off the information spigot so that it could not be disseminated to those who would defend those areas that were attacked uh, the other day. And that same thing can happen here. Well, before we get into where we really stand, it's evening time now, and the sun is getting a little bit low on their horizon over there. And, of course, much of the initial stuff that happened happened during the night, surprise, and it wasn't attacks on militaries. They attacked everybody, men, women, and children. I want to give you just one example of one such story that happened, a family, a husband and wife, four children in uh, Gaza. They had a home that had a safe room. It's one they kept downstairs. It was iron or steel all the way around, had a big iron thick door on the cell, kind of like a vault at the bank. And they hurriedly got down in there. They stayed in there for 11 hours. Hamas came to their home, came down, and tried to break open the door. And when they couldn't, they got some explosives and blew the door down. Listen to what happened. It's hard for me to believe people would do this. They took all of them, the four children, mom and dad, took them out on the street. They made those babies watch several Hamas military members rape their mother, made the dad watch. They couldn't do anything. Then they turned around and shot two of the children, letting their two brothers and sisters watch them do that. And the man, the father, watched do that, and the mom. Then they killed the dad. And then they stripped the woman, tied a rope around her neck, and made her walk behind a car through this town in Gaza. Down the street, they stripped her nude, and then about an hour later, they shot her in the back of the head and killed her. Now, what kind of human being would that be okay with? These are not human beings, Dan. They are, look, it's easy to say animals. It's easy to say that uh, they have depraved minds, but we have to understand what their leadership, what their religious leaders, their preachers, their mons are saying to them in their, um, their mosques. These, these people from the time they are birthed, they are programmed into hatred of Jews, Israelis. And they are, it, it is, it is a, it is a brainwashing that has happened to them. Does that give me any grace for their behavior whatsoever? No, none, no. none, none whatsoever. That only means one thing. We have to wipe it out. There is no other way to deal with it. And, I, and I'll tell you what most angers me is I've spent a lot of time, I spent more time this weekend on social media than I have recently, uh, specifically because I, 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 I kind of took some time off from my other work, and, and particularly to follow this story. And as a result of that, I am so, so disappointed once again in 
our country, when I see these people marching by the thousands, not just in New York City, not just in San Francisco, but Boise, Idaho? Yeah. For heaven's sakes, Dan, what are they doing up in Idaho marching in support of this raid? What they're doing is what they came to the United States to do, and if not all of, most of these people came in and purposely, as a group, spread themselves across the nation. There, and I don't want to scare everybody to death, but everybody needs to understand what has happened in two and a half years under this administration. It has deep and very large implications for the American people because, remember, Iran is over there, and they're the authors of this entire thing that's happening in Gaza and in Israel and Jerusalem. I was there in February Mm -hmm. where they attacked first. I was there. I had my feet on the ground, and I, I can just look at and see the stuff going on in some places and no, and the other thing, we don't know for sure yet how many, but year-round in Jerusalem, there are Christians from around the world that go and tour Israel. There were dozens of groups, many of them, most of them speak in foreign languages when we were there. We would run into them, all going to the various architectural sites, etc. So... This is something not just for Israel. The United States is the great Satan. Israel's the little Satan to Islam. I mean, Islam terrorist, Iran. They want us, and they want to show the world that the world needs to be deathly afraid because they want to come for you next. There's no question about it. And there are plenty of pockets, I promise you, of these people that came in through the southern border, no checks and balances, no ID, no background checks. There were too many coming. We couldn't do it. We couldn't do that. There are terrorists living among us. There's no question about it. Steve, before we go on, I want to get this one break out of the way. And I want to talk about something with you that I don't think um, many people have thought about. We're going to do that right after this. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance, and people love it. Of course, they love the savings they're going to get with GEICO, but it goes beyond that. You deserve to save. (laughs) Heard that before. You deserve to save. I know. I need you to hear me. You deserve to save. I deserve to save. I mean, he has a way of making you feel seen. Bundle car and motorcycle insurance and save at geico.com. Believe in the power of friendship. Really? You guys are good. (laughs) Movies right when you want them. Watch unlimited movies instantly for only nine bucks a month from Netflix. That's so cute, it's stupid. This is your home. This is your family room slash gym. The guest bedroom slash music studio. The day bed slash dog bed. The living room slash yoga shanti slash regional office. How did you guys do it? Slash classroom. And this is the basement slash panic room. 
Maybe what your family needs is a vacation home slash vacation home. Find yours on the Verbo app. Does it matter to you that all our chefs are well trained? Or that our kitchens are both SLSI and GMP certified? That we freshly bake goodies throughout the day? Well, it matters to us to know that your family will enjoy every bite. At Kiehl's, we're fresh because of what we do. But more than that, we're fresh because of you. Saying it out loud. No spin. Only the truth. Again, Dan Newman. Steve Baker is in studio with us today. And at the end of the day in Israel, let me just kind of give you a rundown of where things stand. Israel has announced a complete siege of the Gaza Strip as hundreds of thousands of Israeli troops are preparing to launch an assault on the Hamas terror group that are responsible for these deadly attacks across Israel this weekend. Israeli Defense Minister Yoav Gallant said following a situation assessment with the IDF, the Southern Command, the military will enact a complete siege of the Gaza Strip, preventing supplies such as water, food, and electricity from entering the region. The defense minister said, I ordered a full siege of the Gaza Strip. No power, no food, no gas. Everything closed. We're fighting human animals, and we act accordingly. The IDF, Israel Defense Forces, has also said it currently is waging widespread airstrikes against Hamas targets throughout the Gaza Strip. Their spokesman, Rear Admiral Daniel Hagari, said the military has mobilized 300,000 reservists over the past two days, saying, we have never drafted so many reservists on such a scale. We are going on the offensive. Now, what does this all mean? Um, every, Every young person in Israel is required, when they finish high school, they serve a stint in the Israeli military. It's required. There's no way to get out of it. And after that, they go into private life, but they are always maintained as reservists to be called up. That, in my opinion, is one of the smartest things any government can do. It's not to entrap people or to keep people from pursuing their dreams or whatever. It's making a commitment to the nation in which you were born and raised and what that nation has given to you in your life as you were growing up. Switzerland has the same requirement. I didn't know that till I was over there. And my attorney's son graduated from high school, and he tried hard to get out of two years in the Swiss Army, but he couldn't. He had to go. The point is, Israel is in a way different spot in history and what's going on there and what is likely to continue as long as there is evil that despises Israel just for who they are. That's something that I can't even understand. When we were there in February, Steve, we had a guide. He is an intelligence agent in uh, in the, I guess it's the IDF, I assume. I don't think it was Mossad. Um, and I asked him. In fact, let me tell you what I did. I prayed with him 
sitting on a bench while we were stopped somewhere right down by the Dead Sea. I didn't want to get in that water, incidentally, so I didn't. <laughs> I just watched. And as we sat there, I asked him, I said, because he's in his 40s, I said, how do you feel about this, knowing that at any time, any day, it doesn't matter, unprovoked, no reason whatsoever other than that you're hated because of your nationality, bombs could start dropping and missiles and rockets come in. How do you, do you live in fear all the time? And he didn't hesitate at all. He said, no, we grew up knowing that that is a possibility and a probability it's going to happen at some time. It's just part of our life. Mm. That has to be a bad place to live thinking about. And Americans, we don't understand that. I remember I, uh, I watched a movie not long ago, Pacific, and it was, or it is, the documentary story, it's actually a, a six or seven part mm-hmm. series of the United States, how it happened when we physically went to Asia to fight. And it showed the buildup to going over there. Right. American people, nobody knew anything or thought anything about it. We were shocked. Our government was shocked when Japan on that Sunday morning just started bombing all our ships in Pearl Harbor. You never really know. And I'm not trying to scare you to death. I'm trying to get Americans to think. There's more to our lives than we even think about every day. We don't think about this happening. Probably those Israelis, they're probably thinking about it more so than we are because they've got a big history, recent history of these attacks happening. We don't. Every once in a while, we'll have a car bomb or there'll be some isolated event where some crazy person for political or religious purposes kills some people. But it's very random and it's very scarce. Look what has happened in 48 hours in Israel. Those people's lives are gone they will probably never in their lifetimes be able to get back to the same atmosphere they were living in on Friday. That is tough when you think about it, that it might happen here. You think about this, Dan. (laughs) We are at that place where I think probably many of your listeners are familiar with the book, The Fourth Turning, and the cyclic nature of these worldwide disruptive and and history-altering events that took place. You go all the way back to our Revolutionary War and the establishment of this republic. You fast forward 80-ish years, and we have a civil war. And then you fast forward 80-ish years, and you have World War II. Now you fast forward 80-ish years, and here we are again. We're at that moment where history is about to change again or something really big is about to alter what comes next. And that's that's exactly where we're at. That's exactly what we're seeing. We're in that cycle, and we are seeing not only this in the Middle East. And look, it's always been going on in the Middle East. We can... It's that's easy to dismiss and yawn this off and say this is uh, this is just another one of those events that we have to put up with over there. No, it's not. This is this one right here 
okay, we've 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 sent our armies to Iraq. We've sent our armies to uh, Afghanistan. We've sent our uh, troops and have been involved in various other conflicts over there, whether it was Syria or Yemen or wherever else. This, though, Dan, has that special feeling because this isn't a political conflict. This is what we all have to understand. This is why we, okay, off the air just a moment ago, I said, I want, I, I want to scare everybody to yeah. death. Yeah. No, we, we, we can't live in fear. You know, we can't, we can't have that mindset going into whatever it is that we are going into. But what we are going into is we are going into a spiritual conflict because that event that took place this weekend in Israel, that's a religious event. That is not a political conflict. And we must understand the people in that, I'm not going to say anything is horrible about Islam or Muslims or anything like that because I know personally, I know a bunch of Muslim people that are not radicalized. They don't hate Jews. They don't hate Americans. But a segment of Jew, of, of uh, Islam, mm-hmm. they are born and bred and yeah. breathed to destroy the infidel. And what's an infidel? In their language, an infidel is anybody that is not a practicing Muslim. If you're not a practicing Muslim, they feel like you don't have the right to breathe the same air they are breathing. That's right. And this morning, our mutual friend, Steve Munns and I, at a 6 a.m. prayer meeting, incidentally, he said, if you're here tomorrow, he'd like for you to come. Um, We talked about these very things. We don't know where the evil is, but we should know, especially those of us that have been raised in Christian homes and Christian ideology, we're told all the time, it's going to happen sooner or later. Do we live in fear or do we live just knowing it's going to happen and being observant, on point, watching, looking for signs and then making whatever decisions we need to at that time in preparation. I'm not saying we all need to go out and dig a big hole in the ground and move underground and store up. I'm not saying any of that. That could be a possibility, and we at some point, I might look back at saying that on this show today Mm. and regretting that I said it. All that being said, we need to be on point now in watching and listening and soaking up information. And I'm not just talking about listening to people who we agree with. Right. I'm talking about watching and listening to news people. There are unexplainable things that have already been happening. Former President Barack Obama hadn't said a word, hadn't said a stinking word publicly about what happened over the weekend. Now think about that. Think about that. Now, there are a bunch of times when he was in office with anything happened over there regarding Islam. He made instant comments about it and stood up and just, he just started to say, damned the terrorism acts that were done against Muslim people. That's what it was. We haven't heard any of that. I'm not saying 
Barack Obama is a bad person. I don't know him. I'm saying we need to watch and listen to our political leaders to somehow get a handle on where our leaders are taking us as a nation. We have people, we have a whole sector, especially in the U.S. House of Representatives, that are Palestinian. Rashida Tlaib, she is a Palestinian. And she has been very aggressive in her onslaught against, in public, against Israelis. Mm -hmm. And I understand there's a whole section of the history between those two entities and people that are Palestinian. They think that Israelis, the Jewish people, are just like people from Japan the ones that slaughtered and bolted themselves into those planes and became kamikazes. They knew they wouldn't come back. They just wanted to take out as many of Americans as they could when they dive-bombed into those ships. Those kinds of thinking people are out there. Now, what do we do? I'm asking you this question. What do we do to not forget about what's going on But what do we do to not let the fear of the possibility, maybe even probability, of some of this to start some fires of terrorism that we've seen here, but we haven't seen them in a while, thankfully? What do we do about that? I I heard an interview with an Israeli family this morning. It was very similar to the experience you had with your tour guide over there. And they said when they could hear the roar of the rockets in the distance, they could hear the bombs, they could hear the, um, the iron shield, and they, could, they knew something was going on. And then they started getting the reports on their radios and cell phones that this was a significant event. Their, their children, uh, they brought them together. The youngest, I think they said, was six, and the oldest was 12, uh, three or four of them. And they honestly begin to share with them and tell them what was coming their way. They didn't know if it would come to their home. It fortunately did not for them, but they were very truthful with the children, not to instill fear into them, but to uh, prepare them. And that is ultimately what we have to look at, Dan, is we have to be prepared in our spirit, our minds. We have to be prepared in what are there other ways we're, we're capable of being prepared But when I said earlier that I don't want to scare America into, uh, you know, action or frighten them to death, we have to prepare them in a way that they understand the complex. It is, I was about to say that they can understand the complexities. That was going to be foolish on my my behalf to say that. We can't. We can't prepare Americans to understand the complexities. They don't want to know the complexities of this. this, We live in a society today where people operate on their feelings rather than uh, on their intellect and on logic. And I am at a point myself right now watching what's happening in the world. And this is what I was saying earlier. And and I wasn't able to finish the thought at that time. But when I say until, until the world understands, Americans understand, you understand, the listeners understand, I understand... That, that when I say this is a religious conflict, more importantly, it's a spiritual conflict. More importantly, 
it cannot be a negotiated end to this conflict. There is no such thing as a two-state solution in Israel and Palestine because it cannot be negotiated. Their book that guides their religious leaders and their religious teaching specifically says that the grass, the trees, the rocks will cry out that there's a Jew hiding behind it so that you can come kill them. And the edict out of Islam regarding people that are not Muslim is you convert Mm -hmm. the infidel, that would be us, anybody that's not Muslim, or you kill the infidel, one of the two. This morning early on Fox News, Joe Concha, Joe Concha is, let me just say this about Joe. He's, he talks real fast, but he's very knowledgeable, and he's, he's a hard worker. He wants a show on Fox News. And I think, and I'm, I'm just thinking based upon people that I've talked to from within the, their network, he may be a little too over the top <laughs> saying what he, what he thinks and what he feels. But this morning on the early morning show, he had some very interesting things to say. Listen to Joe Concha in the early morning show on Fox News. Presidential candidate Nikki Haley also drawing a hard line on the billions of dollars freed up for Iran by the Biden administration. Do you think it was irresponsible of your rivals to level that allegation without any evidence or proof? I actually think it was irresponsible for Secretary Blinken to say that the $6 billion doesn't weigh in here. Hamas knows and Iran knows they're moving money around as we speak because they know $6 billion is going to be released. But there's just no proof of that yet. To think that they're not moving money around is irresponsible to say that to the American people. They hate Israel. They hate America. They are going to continue to use this. It was wrong to release the $6 billion. Fox News contributor and columnist for The Messenger, Joe Concha, joins us now. Joe, what do you make of that exchange, specifically this notion among so many in the mainstream media that they want like a printout of the bank transfer, when in reality all they're doing is burying their head in the sand as to how that $6 billion is really being allocated? It's common sense, Todd, right? $6 billion goes to Iran just a couple of months ago, and now Hamas is emboldened to launch an attack like this. Because there isn't a direct dot, like an ATM withdrawal that says, okay, we purchased these weapons based on the $6 billion. The point is that they knew they had the credit. They knew that that money was coming, that it was there, and that they could go ahead with this. And we even saw in the media yesterday, not all, I think a lot of the reporting has been just based on what's going on the ground, but in, in some quarters, this whole notion that, well, we can't really connect this back to Iran until until Hamas's spokesman literally said that Iran helped fund this and fuel this horrific attack. Israel's 9-11, we've seen the images, they are horrific, and it is all because Iran is funding Hamas, and we funded Iran, we being the Biden administration. And there is no spinning this because it's unspinnable, Carly. Yeah, well, despite the fact that our number one ally and our closest friend in the Middle East is now at war with a terrorist organization, the White House hosted a barbecue yesterday. And a White House pool report said in the late afternoon and early evening, a live 
live band could be heard coming from the area near the Rose Garden. The president and first lady are hosting a barbecue for White House executive resident staffs and their families. Joe, uh, this news breaking around the same time that we learned that four Americans were killed and that number could rise. Most undoubtedly will rise, Carly, uh, based on so many that are missing, so many that are kidnapped at this point. Uh, the fact that this happens this weekend and the White House's communication team is so tone deaf, so oblivious, or maybe just so apathetic to the whole situation that they're hosting a barbecue with live music. You should be in the situation room, hunkered down and trying to figure out how to get Americans out of there and de-escalate this situation where we can get our people out. Instead, a barbecue, really, it's just, again, I, I, I've, it, it's hard to imagine any administration being this out of touch, out of step with what's going on in the world, and just being that elitist to be celebrating yeah. and having a barbecue when this is Joe. happening right now, Todd. Got, got to leave it there, Joe. Joe Concha, thank you. Yeah. I'm Steve Ducey. I'm Brian Kilme. And I'm Ainsley Earhart. And click here to subscribe to the Fox News YouTube page to catch our hottest interviews and most compelling analysis. Well, that last little phrase there, that was because Dan didn't edit it. <laughs> I apologize for that. We did a Fox commercial there. Yeah. But Concha, he has it right. Let me tell you somebody else who has it right. I don't know if you saw, but over the weekend, Kevin McCarthy was on one news agency. And he, when he was House Speaker, he spent quite a bit of time and went over and spent time with the Israeli government. His heart is with the government. He made a statement that just blew my socks off. He said, there is no way to stop Hamas. There's only one way for this to ever end, and that is to obliterate right. Hamas. As long as they're breathing, this is what they're going to do over and over and again and again. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I'll give you my quick thoughts on McCarthy. McCarthy is actually incredibly intelligent man. I don't like him for one primary reason, and it's not very complicated. When you go to the Conservative Review website and you pull up their voting records, he votes with the Democrats more often than he does the Republicans. Period. End of convo. That's why I don't like the man. But having said that, when you're talking about somebody with the foreign policy acumen that he has, he he does get it right in that regard more often than he doesn't. And this is the the most um, salient thing about this entire uh, playback that you just did, Dan, is that when you talk about whether it's McCarthy's words saying that we have to utterly eliminate them or if we talk about the... Um, uh, as I was talking about the before, that this is a religious, a spiritual battle. This is not a political battle. This is not about borders. Yeah, that may be um, an ancient historical reason for them having an excuse for a conflict of this nature, but it's not about that. We know that it's not about borders. It's not about that land used to be the Palestinians or that it was before that it was the Israelis and before that it was the Palestinians. This is not what that's about. And, and because of the deeply embedded spiritual nature of this and because of the training that the, that the various sides get uh, in terms of what... Look, we, we know that 
8% of those Israelis, they just want to raise their families. They want to have a nice meal every night. They want to go to the theater on the weekend. They want to go to vacation somewhere in France or Greece or here once a year, whatever the case may be. And then they want to go back home, go back to work and hit replay, rinse and repeat uh, until they're too old to do it. It's kind of like how we are over here, That's too. That's exactly how we are over yeah. here. And it doesn't matter which side of the political aisle you're on. That's what everybody wants to do. The problem is, is that when you step over into those who are being radicalized in those mosques, that's not what they want to do. And it, depending upon which organization you read their reports, uh, the, I've, I've read the reports from CIA, I've read the reports from uh, uh, WHO of all organizations, I've read the reports from um, NATO, read the reports from the UN, and depending upon which report you you uh, look at, it will... They, they estimate what they believe is the percentage of radicalized Muslims in this world. Now, first of all, we've got to start with the fact that we're getting close to 2 billion yeah, Muslims yeah. on this planet, all yeah. right? And then if it's only 10%, and by the way, that's the lowest estimate of radicalization within their community. So if there's 2 billion, 10% of that is what? It's far too many. It's bigger than any army. It's bigger than all the combined armies on this planet. 200 million. That's correct. Now, if it's 25%, wow. which is what the UN says it is. That's half a billion. That's correct. That's bigger, again, than all of the combined armies on this planet. Wow. So, you're a boy <laughs> from Shreveport, Louisiana. You grew up as a Christian. Christian family, how do you respond? Now, you're, I think, without question, you're more plugged in to the political landscape of the United States than I am, and I'm plugged in more than most. What do you think, the people that are listening in right now, we have a very large audience. It's one of the largest we've ever had, and they didn't know you were coming. They just know there's something up that they've got to get their arms around. How should we respond? And when I say we, I'm talking about average Americans. I'm not talking about our military or the political class. We know how the Biden administration is going to respond. They're going to throw a bunch of things out there that look warm and fuzzy like they're doing something but have no teeth in them. We have it. One of our largest aircraft carriers is now in the Mediterranean, and that's supposed to be something that's going to shut up Hamas and Iran, and we all know that's nothing. Right. Uh, you know, they've got missiles in the Mediterranean now that could take that, that uh, aircraft carrier apart. I'm talking about the American people, our families, our moms, our dads, our brothers and sisters. There's no magic bullet answer, Dan. Except this, and and I hate I hate to even be this. Apparently, or what some are going to consider to be intellectually uh, intellectually trite, but elections have consequences. We are entering next year, and you hear it all the time. Oh yeah, everybody says it. This is the most important election of our lifetime. 
No, Dan. This every, is. Every time we people say that, it is, because it is the only yeah. election that's right in front of us. But, see, I've never said that. I've never said it because I've never actually ever in my life felt that that was the one that was the most important. And it, and, the, and part of the reason why I never said it is I like to laugh at people that say it every year. Yeah. And so I deliberately withheld that comment. And I am saying it this time. This is one of those times in our life because we are at that moment that I mentioned earlier that that we're in that cycle again where we as a nation, particularly the Western nations, the, the economically prosperous nations, have become so comfortable that the only thing matters anymore is how we feel in the moment. And the only thing that matters anymore is that we are secure and that we're safe rather than uh, that we have liberty and, and self-reliance and uh, the, 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 found, you know, the, the principles upon which this country was uh, ostensibly founded. So we have reached that cycle again now where if those of us who, again, think like you and I, we don't rise up at least at the ballot box, this time we are going to lose it. Wow. Dire thoughts this morning. Steve Baker is with us live in the studio, and we have much, much more to get into. We're not even one hour into the show. More and something special after this. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents a word from your wallet. Are we at the gas station? Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. (laughs) Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. Get cracking and feel unbeatable with new omelet bites from Duncan. Bacon and cheddar or egg white and veggie. Made with cage-free eggs and packed with protein. Take on the day with new omelet bites from Duncan. America runs on Duncan. When playing football, you run up to 120 pitches. You work out 650 muscles. You withstand three times your body weight. You treble your adrenaline production. You raise your heartbeat to 180 times per minute. And in the end, you lose up to three liters of sweat for one goal. This game is not a game. How to improve your dining room by the Home Depot. New wood floors, new paint on the walls. Sure, you know us for that. But how about a new dining room table, matching chairs, bar stools? How about free and flexible delivery with easy online returns? Now you can explore decor in a whole new way. Save now on furniture. Everything for your home. Everything from Home Depot. Green-eyed lady, lovely lady, strolling slowly towards the sun. Lady, ocean lady. We lost.
lost our microphones for a second. Sorry about that. Dan Newman here. Steve Baker also here in the studio with us today. And Steve, United States of America, <laughs> what what in the heck are we going to do? I want to get your opinion, and I didn't warn you about this. I want to get your opinion on what you think the Biden administration, mm. what do you think they will do um, in this thing that uh, it's in our laps too? They will say words and then they will do other things. That's what they're going to do. I mean, the, 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 the powers and the machinations of our government are so complex right now that it doesn't matter what they say into the microphone. It doesn't matter what he says in a press conference. It doesn't matter what KJP says in the daily uh, briefings uh, before the, the, the press. They say whatever they want to say, then they go and do whatever they want to do. Just like this uh, this playback you gave a moment ago, where they talked about the barbecue yesterday and yeah. and the band playing on the on the West Lawn there at the Capitol. I mean, I'm sorry at the at the White House. And I, when I saw that, I tweeted out something to the effect of, you know, normally I would point out that an administration doing this type of thing in such a crisis is a tone deaf administration. In this case, I would say that they are brain dead. But when we say that they're brain dead, we're joking about um, Joe Biden's you know particular problems. But the truth of the matter is, is they're not brain dead. They know exactly what they're doing because Biden's not running this country anyway. It's the people behind uh, the veil, the behind the curtain that are pulling the strings, pulling his strings, and then and then guiding and directing the direction they're going. Dan, this is exactly what they want. What happened over there is exactly what they want. They don't, it doesn't matter to them that seven, eight, nine hundred Jews were killed, slaughtered, uh, women, children raped, uh, Americans killed and kidnapped. It doesn't matter. What matters to them is the larger picture, the end game, the agenda of the spirit of this age, and they need chaos. They need chaos there, and eventually they're going to unleash chaos here because that's the only way that they can bring down the United States of America. And ultimately, everyone knows, any right-thinking person, anybody with any pulse whatsoever knows that this agenda, whatever you want to call it, whether you want to call it the Great Set, the New World Order, um, or you want to call it the End Times, Whatever, whatever your predisposition is, predisposition is to, to uh, labeling this that we're moving into, it doesn't happen unless this nation falls. Wow. Wow, wow. Well, we have a president that has proven he is being manipulated by, I don't know, sources, a person, several people, a philosophy, several different philosophies, I don't think the Americans trust him. I don't think the American people trust that his choices would be good. And I'm just going to lob out a grenade and see how you respond. If Donald Trump was still president, first of all, that $6 billion. And let me just talk about that $6 billion for just a moment. It was asinine for Secretary of State Antony Blinken two weeks ago, three weeks ago, the first time he was questioned at a briefing about... How could we do that? 
$6 billion. He made it very clear, oh, they can't touch that $6 billion unless it is for specific reasons. Now think about that, and it had to do with medical supplies, those kind of things. <laughs> Feeding people that don't have food, you know, charitable things, which um, Islam, especially Iran, is known for being really charitable to people, their own people they slaughter left and right. But nevertheless, Blinken said, and he, he was insulting when he said it, he insulted the person in the briefing that asked him. Now, it was like, how dare you ask me such a stupid question? You should know we would never write a blank check for $6 billion. There are conditions tied to that. No. When he said it again yesterday, I just wanted to reach out and grab him and say, don't you understand? They have that money. They'll put it in the right pocket the one that you told them and had to go into. But they know that they've got $6 million over there that they could have conned you and spent it maybe on some social issues and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But how are you going to check that? You can't even find out. You can't get observers over there to find out where their uh, nuclear plans are and how many nukes they already have in place. You think they're going to be honest with you and tell you, hey, we spent all that money on medical supplies and food. No. That illustrates exactly what we have going on in our government. Everybody that's listening, you need to understand something. I'm going to talk politically just for a moment. I'm not a registered Republican. I'm not a registered Democrat. I'm a registered independent. I'm voting every time I vote and have for years for the person or the persons who I feel like are the best people for whatever office they're running for, period. And if it was a Democrat and I honestly felt that was the right person for the job, I would vote that way. Steve, you're further, you're more conservative than am I. And you feel pretty much the same way, don't you? Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly more libertarian, um, which in the way I graph those things out, I'm further that would make me further right. But um, yeah, I, I have uh, myself never. Um, well, it's interesting, you know, when you grow up in Louisiana back in the in the '60s and '70s, you we used to have to vote and register as a Democrat because back then a Republican could not get. Uh, the the top seats in out of yeah, the state. Yeah. Of course, through the Reagan Revolution, all of that that'll switch. Sure, and yeah. then you could begin to vote, uh, or you could register as a Republican, and and still your vote in the primaries would matter at that yes, point. Yes, yes. And then, of course, in in the state where I live, we can register as an independent as well, and then we can vote and choose and pick whichever primary we want to be in. But I am, and, and I'm of the same nature, even though I'm more libertarian, I am not a member of the Libertarian Party. I do the same thing. I vote uh, independently for the individual or for the, for, for the cause or the reason or, the, uh, or, or a particular agenda. But if anyone <laughs> believes, whether we're talking about this $6 billion tranche or the other mil- many, many, many billions of dollars of tranches that have been given to other nations in that form of foreign aid, whether it's Middle Eastern nations or not, if you believe that that's money, that money's going to 
medical aid, going to food, going to housing, and not lining the pockets of the leadership of those regions which we are supporting oh no oh they will show us yeah. they will show us oh, a yeah. c-130 landing with you know with uh thousands of tons of food in that particular aircraft and then they'll show us a truck and they'll show us a ship but that's not representative of the the other billions that are buying favors and buying direction of those nations and that's where that money is mostly going and of course, as we know, if we're talking about nations that are looking to arm up and looking to buy missiles, looking to buy weapons from uh, whether they're buying it from France or whether they're buying it from England or whether they're buying it from China, Russia, or us, wherever they're buying it from, then of course they're going to divert those funds uh, in those directions as well. It, Ron, Ron Paul, I, I, I'm going to see if I can get this right real quick as I, as I think about it. But he said, all foreign aid really is, is rich nations stealing from their own poor to give to poor nations their rich leaders. <laughs> that's, where, that's what foreign aid is. Yeah, yeah. And he's absolutely right. Benjamin Netanyahu just minutes ago spoke to our president. And uh, President Biden encouraged Netanyahu to get to the negotiating table. <laughs> And Bibi, that's Netanyahu's right. nickname, Bibi, told our president, negotiating with terrorists is off the table. I would have liked to him have, to have said, get bent. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin McCarthy said, as we talked about a few minutes ago, the only way to stop this ever happening again is to destroy Hamas and Hezbollah. I don't know that we can do that because as long as Iran's around, they're gonna they're they're the funders of both of those organizations. There's there's a story I want to tell you right now, but I have to be very careful in how I frame it because it does implicate someone who is not supposed to be uh, implicated, implicated, or <laughs> outed, or identified. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna proceed thusly, and I will tell you this that I know and I have very intimate relation with intelligence people Be careful. who tell me that for years and years, we're talking about years and years, they have been identifying, tracking Hamas, Hezbollah, Al-Qaeda, ISIS in Central America. They track their training camps. Yeah. They track their recruitment activities. They track their, uh, their funding. They track their armaments as they acquire those, where they're coming from. And when I put that kind of information out on my blog... I get attacked from all sides, Dan. Sure. I'm a conspiracy theorist. Sure. I am a person that, you know, has no clue of what's really going on in the real world. But this and these individuals are people that I'm very intimately close to. And this wasn't something that they heard third hand. This is something that they do. Yeah. 
as their job. Wow. Well, we have some other things we need to get into, and that would be the latest in the chapter of all things going on post-January 6th, and we happen to have the guy with all the information in our studios today. Where? You're sitting (laughs) right there next to him, Steve Baker. We'll take a break. When we come back, Steve's going to give us the latest, greatest, and we have other stuff happening too. That's up next. This is your home. This is your family room slash gym. The guest bedroom slash music studio. The day bed slash dog bed. The living room slash yoga shanti slash regional office. How did you guys do it? Slash classroom. And this is the basement slash panic room. Maybe what your family needs is a vacation home slash vacation home. Find yours on the Verbo app. Your true friends are the people in your life that totally get your inside jokes, your unique style, most important, what you want to eat. Taco Bell knows that when you get together with your real friends, it doesn't matter what you're doing, but hey, it might as well be something that everybody can get into, like the taco and burrito cravings pack with four crunchy tacos and four beefy five-layer burritos. So even if you're all sitting around doing absolutely nothing, you know you'll still have a good time. It's Taco Bell's Taco and Burrito Cravings Pack. Get it for the friends that get it for a limited time at participating Taco Bell locations near you. Biggie bag, huh? It's new from Wendy's. It's everything you ever wanted for just five bucks. Everything I ever wanted? Wendy's bacon double stack, four nuggets, fries, a drink, and the spelling bee medal you lost in second grade because you couldn't spell soliloquy. It really is everything I ever wanted. Get a bacon double stack with a quarter pound of fresh beef, nuggets, fries, and a drink for just five bucks. Wendy's biggie bag is everything you ever wanted. Sorry, I'm going to need all that back. Really? Well, we're in the studio today with Steve Baker. Steve, um, resident of North Carolina, but he spends most of his time in his car going from place (laughs) to place. He doesn't like to fly. I don't understand that. Do you ever fly at all? I uh, only fly if I have to be 3,000 miles away tomorrow. Okay. And there's no other way to get there. Otherwise, I plan the extra days. I take the time. I route the back roads and I call it windshield therapy. There you go. It comes from years of being on the road and touring. It's just where I'm comfortable. And then, and then I have, and I'm not, I'm not afraid of flying. I've I've flown all over the world for years and years and years, but after nine 11 and after the TSA started their nonsense, I just said, no, I'm just, I'm just not going to give those people my money. Oh, my recent, trip that I went to Qatar, Qatar, Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it, and then down to Zambia and then to Zimbabwe, Africa. Mm -hmm. Once you get out of the United States, you would think security overseas is so much worse. It's not. No. Our TSA is the most difficult airport security people to work with. It's like somebody gave them a title and some power, some authority, and they're going to use it, take advantage of it. All that being said, you have been up to your eyeballs in the aftermath of exposure of a lot of the wrongdoing that not only happened the day of January 6th, but in the aftermath, the testimony, the J6 committee hearings, and all kinds of other things, including the trials of those who were there that day, and you're seeing the best of and the worst of Americans mm. when you 
or following this. It's got to be at this point. It's got to be getting to you, going right to your core. Before you bring us up to the latest on details, how is this, how are you processing all this personally? The things you're finding out. Yeah, that's a great question, Dan, because I, (laughs) I hate to say this, but when when you have a situation like what we just saw happen in Israel, for me it's almost a brain break. I, I mean, I and and I'm I'm serious about that. Oh yeah, I know you're you're consumed by this other stuff, right. and it kind of gives you the attentions deflected elsewhere. But, so you've got a little bit of time to breathe. But when we see it happening over there, it's not quite as real. Yeah. As when we see it happening right here. Yeah. And everything that we're seeing there, I can draw straight line analogies, straight line comparisons to what we're seeing here, what we're seeing in DC, what we are seeing in January 6th related court cases, those trials, those convictions, those sentencing hearings. And and if you don't think I can't connect those dots, sure you can. Let, let's yeah. go. Let's yeah. go. And and so when when I see this happen this weekend over there, as bad as it is, as bad as you and I have talked about it for the last hour, first hour of the show, for me it's almost like okay, I can I can breathe yeah. for a couple of days, yeah. and before I dive back into this thing. So, real quickly, bringing the audience that may not have been in on the last couple of big things that happened in your J six reporting. Yeah. Give us a synopsis of that, and then we're going to talk about what's just ahead. Well, I think I was on last Tuesday, right? Okay. Well, we released the story that we had been teasing for months on this show. We released it Wednesday morning. Now, I should should kind of give everybody a little bit of the, the drama related to that as it led up to that. As we were working with our editors on the final brush strokes of this story, and putting together and harvesting the videos and the images because we have them. Yeah, we we've we've already gotten those from Congress, and as we were putting that together, so that this story would be published and released at seven o'clock on Wednesday morning last week, so that Glenn Beck could then go on the air at nine yeah. and lead with this because yeah. it's a big story. Yeah, it is. Well, then something happened in Congress. Yeah, and <laughs> McCarthy got ousted. And the second he got ousted, the final approval process that we needed on the final cut and edit of the videos, because we have to get approval for security concerns from the House uh, Admins Oversight uh, Subcommittee leadership. Well, as soon the second McCarthy was ousted, nobody makes a decision about anything for any reason at all. Everything stops. Until there's a new speaker. Until there's a new speaker. So what happened to me direct Dan, this is this affected me. <laughs> I mean, how often when the when the when the speaker of the house loses his job does it affect <laughs> you, Dan? Never. Never. I mean, I am I am at at seven o'clock that night on Tuesday last Tuesday, after yeah. we spoke that morning, yeah. I get a call from the chief counsel. For, I'm not going to say his name. Yeah, congressman, and he says you can't use the video. 
<laughs> and I'm like, seriously, I'm like, you're, you're kidding, right? He yeah. went, no, I'm not. And he was not, he was not, yeah, he was, he was very gracious. I'll, I'll, I will say that he understood he has been working with me for months on this project. Yeah, you've got personal relationship there. These these guys have been great. There have been heroes inside yeah. these staff uh, staffings uh, with these certain individual congressmen and these committees who have helped us with this. They knew the story. They want this story out. And then to get that phone call, you can't do it. And then I negotiated with him back and forth for hours <laughs> through the evening till almost midnight. And it just was not going to happen. There was nothing they could do on their end. There was nothing I could do on my end. I go back to my editors. This is late into the evening, Tuesday last week. And what do we do? Because now here's the circumstance. We're either going to have to wait at least a week yeah. now before there's even a vote. The earliest there would be would be next Tuesday afternoon. Yeah. Or we go ahead and run with the print story and let them... Uh, and then use the opportunity, quote unquote, to roll the the video out the next week and, and yeah. extend the life of the story. Yeah. Okay. So the editors at Blaze made the decision to do that. So my editor in chief, he had actually flown to DC for other purposes on Tuesday evening. So when he gets to his hotel in DC, he's up all night. My um, uh, opinion and analyst editor, he's up all night. And then, of course, the copy editor, who is the final approval, she's up all night. And then I'm, I, so I'm laying there with my phone next to me on, on my pillow in my hotel room. <laughs> and, you know, I'd either yeah. get a text or I'd get a yeah. phone call to answer their questions because, you know, this, Dan, this story had to be flawless. Oh, yeah. In every way. There was nothing. If, if not, there's so much liability that comes with that. We couldn't we couldn't miss uh, on timelines. We couldn't miss a second. Yeah. So if, if I say that this happened at 2.56 p.m., no, it happened at 2.56 and 45 seconds. That precise. That precise. Yeah. We had to be in every way that precise. And and so with three editors running through with a fine tooth comb, my story, it popped that morning. And then Glenn led with the story at the top of the second hour. He read the entire article, uh, at 10 o'clock. And then at 11, he brought me on to, uh, to answer his questions about the breaking of this story. (sighs) Wow. So that's the drama leading up to the story. Yeah. We haven't even told the story yet. Yeah. (laughs) Unless they, unless they tuned into your, um, uh, your website. Yeah. Yeah, we, as you gave me permission, (laughs) you said, run it. (laughs) And so we put it up. Um, Where do we go from here with that story? Yeah, well, just just as a quick synopsis for everyone, here's what we have. We have uh, what I referred to weeks ago as the kill shot. And this is the story of a United States Capitol Police officer. He's actually a a special agent. By that, that means he's on the uh, dignitary uh, security uh, resource detailee is what he is. He just happens to be the head, or was on January 6th, two and a half years ago, he was the head of Nancy Security's security detail. Name? Nancy Pelosi, sorry. Nancy Pelosi, his name is uh, Special Agent David Lazarus. I couldn't remember it. Yeah, so as the head of, the head of Pelosi's security detail... 
uh, he was not responsible only just for her, but for her entire staff that day. So he had testified in trials that in the process of rescuing staffers out of Pelosi's offices, that, and this is an exact quote, that three or four times he had passed the infamous interaction between four Oath Keepers and Officer Harry Dunn. Now, the problem with that was, is that in the trials, David Lazarus and Harry Dunn have said and testified that this interaction was a contentious, it was uh, antagonistic, uh, it was near violent because Harry had to stand them down. In fact, Harry testified that they were going to try and get down that stairwell that he was guarding and it just was not going to happen. They weren't getting past his big body. And Lazarus said that he passed it three or four times, except Dan, it did not happen. We have the video that he was in a completely different part of the complex during the five or six minutes that that confrontation happened between Lazarus and the Oath Keepers. We know that it was not a confrontational interaction. We know beyond any shadow of a doubt that the Oath Keepers lined up and stood and protected him from the more agitated protesters in the crowd. We know that beyond any shadow of a doubt, but Lazarus was brought in specifically to clean up Dunn's testimony to corroborate that And rather than tell the truth about what he was actually doing and where he was at in the building, he lied. And the only thing we can think of, Dan, is that at some point somewhere they thought they they must have just thought that that video would never get out because the video that we captured that I was allowed to see in the Capitol complex was from what they call the highly sensitive areas of the Capitol down below in the tunnels and in the subway system. They never thought that a journalist would get their hands on that or another investigator and then I came to town. Well, Nancy Pelosi thought that she would forever be in power, and uh, she acted accordingly in everything she did her last Mm -hmm. couple of years there. Mm -hmm. It goes all the way back, I'll never forget it, in the campaign for the uh, presidency, um, when Trump was running against Biden, and Biden wasn't doing any public appearances, and one of Nancy's weekly press briefings, the press were just beating her up about Joe not doing any rallies, Joe not appearing, doing interviews, anything like that. And they said, how? How do you think he can win when the American people don't know if he's capable? And they kept pounding her. And she, as she used to do, she stuck that finger up (laughs) in the air and shut him up and said, one thing I will guarantee you. On January the 20th, I will inaugurate Joe Biden as president of the United States, which sent a message to a lot of people like me. Mm. I knew there was something going on behind the scenes that we did not know. So, like when Hillary lost to Trump, the world was shocked, especially those on the left, because they had it planned. Hillary was supposed to take... Uh, the baton from Barack Obama, and for eight years, for at least she was going to do the next step of sending us towards oligarchy or authoritarianism, whatever you want to label it, but a top-down government Mm -hmm. where they control everything. And then here comes (laughs) Donald Trump. He messed it up, and then four years later, they had to get power back, and they had nobody they could put out there that had the chutzpah that could even be convinced by the American people that they could get anything done. 
But there's Joe Biden, and he has always been a pawn, Mm -hmm. and we can make him a pawn again for four years, and by then we'll have somebody else to come in. All of that just kind of fell apart, and you could almost sense there was something going on. There was cover that had to be achieved again so that they could get out and do the things that they had done during the Obama-Biden years that they were doing not even surreptitiously. They were out there doing it in everybody's face with impunity because they were in power. Mm. And now nobody knows what to do. There is scrambling on the part of the Democrat Party that I, I haven't seen in many, many years. People, I mean, nobody trusts anybody. You've got a extreme left and an extreme middle. Um, if you can, if you can convince anybody, there are moderate Democrats that are left. Mm-hmm. But you have the far left out there, and they're going nuts, demanding more and more and more, and they're getting up and berating anybody and everybody that disagrees with the Green New Deal, climate change, all those kinds of things. You're you, you can't be disagreed with. If you don't agree with them, you're just downright evil, and you've got to be destroyed. You've got to be done away with. We're seeing our nation devolve into no middle ground. It's all far left, authoritarian, oligarchy, socialist, heavy, whatever, and then democratic republic, representative republic. Those are the only two things that are left, and there's no middle ground. If you disagree with anything that comes out of any Democrat's mouth, you're automatically labeled, you don't deserve to breathe. Mm. You need to just go away. But here on the right, Republicans, other conservatives like you and me, if we disagree, we'll have a conversation. And we'll hear the other people's opinions and listen to them. We may end up agreeing to do nothing more than just to disagree, but at least, you know, we're not out there trying to kill them. That's the nation in which we're finding ourselves living in. And there are a lot of people, especially in states other than those biggies, Illinois, New York, Massachusetts, California, where there is no middle ground there. You're either bad or you're one of us. Mm-hmm. And if you disagree with them, you're bad. Is that sustainable? And are you seeing anything in your follow-up uh, investigations into the January 6th dealing with the players that day and since? I mean, I remember the first time you sat in on Judge Meta in the Oath Keepers trial. The first time you talked to me about going through a, a day or two of that, you were beside yourself. You couldn't believe what you were hearing and right. seeing coming out of the mouth of this very powerful federal judge. He wasn't into totally the rule of law. He was <laughs> into a narrative kind of stamped on top of the rule of law and only used the rule of law when it fit the notches that it needed to fit in to accomplish the goals that he and whoever else of his ilk are demanding to come out of that, like putting people in jail that really committed a misdemeanor. They call it a felony and sending them to prison for 10, 12 years. 
Well, they put them in jail. Uh, or let's let's go back. They arrest them and charge them with felonies for when they actually committed misdemeanors. But then they tack on this notion of conspiracy. Yeah that didn't exist. And then when they didn't have proof that there was a conspiracy, either written or verbal recorded in any form, they then switched gears and called it an implied conspiracy. Thought crime. A thought crime. Yeah. And I've read that book, Dan. It was not supposed to be a manual for our department of justice to operate off of or out of. And that unfortunately is exactly what I was witnessing in these trials and still do to this day. And what we are going to be ultimately releasing as we start rolling out parts, you know, one B and part two and part three of this story is we're going to start naming the names of those who are in fact in that committee, that star chamber as it were, that started putting these things together to uh, entrap, to um, uh, make patsies out of, to make scapegoats, to frame into crimes that they did not, for crimes that they did not commit, uh, commit. And then the various people that they had to bring in to testify and give false testimony in order to solidify their their accusations. I remember when we really took American history classes and we had a whole semester or a whole year of American history where we really dug into things. I remembered what was the impetus for our forefathers to leave Europe heading over here. And it was principally because there was a class of people in every country over there. It was a little bit different, but it was a hierarchy that had the wealthy and the powerful for generations. People ran the lives of everybody in their country. And it didn't matter if it was legal or illegal. It was determined by the king or whoever was the ruling person at the time and they could change that on a whim. There was no justice. There was no real legal structure that everybody had to abide by. It was all arbitrary. And the people couldn't stand it. I mean, their lives were destroyed at the snap of a finger, just not for something they may have done wrong, but just because they weren't liked by somebody in the ruling class. We're living in that right now. Washington, D.C., as bad as it has been in the past, it's never been this evil. It's not. Mm-hmm. And the people that are there that are entrenched in it, they don't even care anymore if they're exposed for their wrongdoing. It's this thought process now. Yeah, I got busted doing something wrong, so what? What about it? What's next? What else you want to talk about? That's literally where we are now. Mm. This, this, this Jamal Bowman, (laughs) what he did, that's a felony offense. What he did, if you'll remember, he thought he, he said he thought he was going out a door because he had to rush over to cast a vote last week on the speaker thing. Mm -hmm. Well, 
there's video that shows that he took down the signs and yep. that he pulled the lever on the fire alarm and it set off and it put in place a whole process legally. Law enforcement, I, I'm sure it was Capitol Police, but I'm sure it was D.C. cops, ambulances, fire trucks, by law, had to rush over there. Had to respond. Yeah. I mean, that's the way it works in the United States as well. Right. Everywhere, not just in D.C. No, you said it right the first time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're right. Um, but, but my point is, he's going to get off. He's not going to have any no. kind of accountability for that. Not. And that is a felony right. under federal law. Right. But he's a member of the correct party, and he's African-American, and he's Muslim. So you th- put all those together, he checks all the boxes of the left who are in power. They own everything except the house, and they're really, really close to owning the house as well. Mm-hmm. Do you see any hope, real hope, any substance that you can point to for yourself and you get enough that keeps you digging with hope saying, yeah, I can see, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. My, my hope, Dan, is that daylight being the best disinfectant is that as we bring these truths to lie, to light that we will affect just enough people that as I said to you and answered your question in the last hour that this election will mean enough to enough people to get out and help us draw the line in the sand fix things put up a bulwark against the spirit of the age that we're up against right now that's my hope and the only thing that I can do is is and this is this is just little old me yeah it's just little old me is go dig the truth up, stick it in to as many American people's faces as I can expose it to, and hopefully the those people that are in the squishy middle that don't, you know, they can go left, they can go right, they can vote for Biden, they can vote for Trump, they can, you know, is that we we influence them enough. Maybe, maybe it's a combination of maybe it's me finding one kill shot in one of these trials and then them seeing what's happening with uh, a, teenagers going to a, um, a music festival in Israel getting raped and kidnapped. Maybe that's enough to push them over the edge. Maybe. Maybe. But we have to tell them the truth. And the great thing today, though, is I can guarantee you this, Dan. If not for what we're seeing in social media, with not for what we're seeing with independent journalism, particularly on what is now called X, that's Elon Musk's version of Twitter, the mainstream media would be whitewashing that story coming out of Israel, and we would not know the extent of the truth that we're aware of right now. We wouldn't know, we wouldn't know the true horrors that are taking place right now. Let me put an asterisk on that. Shani Lauk. 30 years old, was at that music festival for peace mm-hmm. over the weekend when she was captured by Hamas terrorists who had stormed into the event. They'd massacred already 260 Israeli revelers there during their assault. Her naked body was seen splayed in the back of a truck with one leg at an unnatural angle 
while being surrounded by four Hamas terrorists who are shouting Alu Akbar in a sickening video. Jeering supporters of the gunmen, including children, were seen running alongside the truck and spitting on her motionless body. Her family, who are desperately hoping that Shani is still alive, despite the footage of her, said she was a pacifist and a peace campaigner who was known for her involvement in organizing music festivals. And the only thing she protested, she was protesting the mandatory military service for Israeli teenagers when they get out of high school. I can guarantee you that she was, in her poor, misinformed mind, a pro-Palestinian activist. Wow. Well, buddy, we didn't get everything solved today. (laughs) (laughs) There's still evil out there that has got to be exposed. And I want to thank you as we let you go and, you're gonna you're gonna be in town till you get a call. Is that what you're? I'm gonna be around. Uh, yeah, you'll I, be in the area. The uh, we're we're obviously I'm waiting. I'm on hold right now because things are a little. Uh, well, yeah. There's there's something else going on yeah. in the world right yeah. now, and um, I'm of course just working remotely. I'm writing. I'm in the middle of writing uh, part two of the story. And obviously, uh, because of the way these things work, there's going to be a, a, a part 1B <laughs> that is also going to come out. I don't know which order that's going to be. but um, And then there's, of course, of other, uh, there are other ancillary uh, portions of this uh, story coming out as well. But I, I would encourage everybody just to stay tuned here, obviously, and then go to my locals page. I, tell, I give more insight there because I have what I yeah. call my TPC insider yeah. that I do there. And so I kind of give people, uh, I try to do it on a daily update. So I'll let those who follow me there uh, know what's happening. And that's just go to TPC, the number four USA, TPC4USA.com. That'll take you directly to my locals page. So follow us there and uh, um, I'll keep you updated on all of this. Anything, it doesn't matter what or when that needs to be put out there. You call me. You got it, man. If it's during live showtime, we'll throw you right up on the air. And thank you for all you're doing, but thank you for being a part of what we're doing. People like you. (laughs) I like people too most of the time. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes, uh, I don't know about it. (laughs) Steve Baker in the studio live today. We thank you, my friend. And we have a couple of other off-topic things that we need to get to before we end the show. Those are up next. It's movie season. We count down your favorite movie classics, including When Harry Met the Bathroom, Close Encounters of the Third Bathroom, A River Runs Through the Bathroom. For someone suffering with sucrose intolerance, a favorite movie often ends in the bathroom. If you're experiencing chronic diarrhea, gas, stomach pain, and bloating, remember, sucrose intolerance, or CSID, can be diagnosed by your doctor with the aid of a sucrose breath test. Visit sucroseintolerance.com. 
Mr. Rippermorph. Yes, Dorothy? A reporter and crew from New Center 7 Wastebusters are here to see you, sir. New Center 7? Wastebusters. They expose mind-boggling waste of taxpayers' money right here in the Miami Valley. What do they want with me? They said you sold the government a ballpoint pen, sir. So? For $1,000. Well, it came with refills. And a jar of paper clips for $2,000. They were multicolored paper clips. Uh-huh. Red ones, blue ones. What should I tell the Wastebusters, sir? Do they have lights and cameras? And the ballpoint pen, sir. Tell them I went out my window down the fire escape and then booked down the street screaming like a madman. I don't think they'll believe that, sir. Mr. Rippemoff? Watch News Center 7 expose government waste right here in the Miami Valley and see the Wastebusters in action. You can't escape them, sir! They're the Wastebusters! News Center 7 Wastebusters. Weeknights at 6. Coverage you can count on. They'll find him. Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied, the flavor is decadent, the touch divine, and the drive? Yes, the drive of luxury is simply infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury, not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice. Select your Infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com. Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more. imagine dealing with the fear think about children in israel children going to bed they're they're in the bed right now and uh worried about what's going to happen while they sleep tonight i'm so thankful that americans have never had to think that in reality we've always known that something could happen but we've never seen anything worldwide happen so locally as what is happening right now over there in that little bitty country. If you've ever looked on the map of Israel and what's around it, and then you pull the map out so that you're getting closer to up by the moon and you see how tiny Israel is in the world. It's one of the smallest nations in the world. And yet it seems like, and it's made to be viewed as being not only big, but a big monster. That's what those hardcore leftists want us to think. Very surprising story. I wanted to make sure I shared this one with you. Mike Pence, former VP, he is using this massacre of Israeli civilians by Hamas terrorists as an opportunity to take a shot at his former boss, and other America first GOP presidential hopefuls. Now, this is sick. It really is. Pence appeared on Sunday morning's edition of CNN State the Nation, and he discussed the attack that resulted in the deaths of over 600 people. It's 800 now, close to 1,000 actually. 
in an act of war on the Jewish nation that drew outrage from the entire civilized world. To his credit, Pence placed much of the blame on the disastrous foreign policy of President Biden, whose surrender of Afghanistan to the Taliban was a signal of American weakness, that the world's evildoers would inevitably exploit. They already have, and they're going to continue as long as he's there. But then Pence pointed his finger directly at former President Donald Trump, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, and his biotech entrepreneur, Vivek Ramaswamy, who are all running against him for the nomination. Quote, But I also believe this is what happens when we have leading voices like Donald Trump, Vivek Ramaswamy, and Ron DeSantis signaling retreat from America's role as leader of the free world. That's Pence said, turning his fire on members of his own party, who, unlike him, could potentially end up in the White House. Look, what happened in Ukraine was an unprovoked invasion by Russia. What happened this weekend was an unprovoked invasion by Hamas into Israel. And I really believe now more than ever, both the debate within the Republican Party and the debate within America is whether or not we're going to once again stand without apology as the leader of the free world, as the arsenal of democracy. The heartbreaking images coming out of both of these theaters of operations remind us that America's in the indispensable leadership role of the free world. And if I'm president of the United States, we'll lead from American strength, Pence said. Now, Pence's decision to blame the carnage on Trump, it likely pleased Democrats, but he was blasted to smithereens on X, the platform formerly known as Twitter. You're the embodiment of the kind of weakness that led to this. You should have paid attention when you were groveling at the feet of the master. Trump brought peace because the world knew, F around and find out will never return to the failed approach of you and your uniparty fools. That was Donald Trump Jr. responding to Pence. That's pretty stiff stuff. This is what happens when at POTUS projects weakness on the world stage, kowtows to the mullahs in Iran with six billion dollars in ransom and leaders in the Republican Party signal American retreat as leader of the free world. Weakness arouses evil. That's Pence again, writing on X on Saturday before he shanked Trump and the other candidates in the back on CNN. Kelly Nelson All of you know who Kelly Nelson is. She's a frequent, um, she's been on the show several times. She writes some of the greatest stories. She wrote one yesterday, and she sent it to me last night. And I had already set up for today's article. It's also a contributor, and it'll be up tomorrow. Both of them were exceptionally good. But Kelly's, It just hit the spot, the perfect spot of the day. 
And I want to read this to you. In October of 1973, President Nixon was awakened in the middle of the night by a call on his private line from Israel's Prime Minister Golda Meir. She made an anguished plea for American support in the form of armaments, but Nixon knew acceding to this request would be ignoring the request of the cabinet and the Secretary of State at that time was Henry Kissinger. Israel was under attack on their holiest day of the year, Yom Kippur. History records what Israel was up against. The Nixon Foundation writes this, to demonstrate what Israel was up against. Listen to this now. 180 Israeli tanks faced over 1,400 Syrian tanks. Closer to the Suez Canal, a mere 436 Israeli infantry were poised to fight over 80,000 Egyptian soldiers. This even after Israel's military buildup. The attacks by Egypt and Syria were backed by nine Arab states, as well as one non-Arab state, the Soviet Union. In 1973, Israel was unprepared when Egypt and Syria both launched massive attacks. President Nixon saved Israel from devastating attack. He knew the threat an Arab victory posed, and he also knew that the Soviet Union was providing arms to the Arabs in an attempt to spread their influence throughout the region. Taking the Israeli defense forces by surprise, Egyptian troops swept deep into the Sinai Peninsula, while Syria struggled to throw occupying Israeli troops out of the Golan Heights. Israel counterattacked and recaptured the Golan Heights. To rid the region of the communist propaganda and takeover, Nixon knew Israel needed American arms to defeat the Syrians and Egyptians. Both he and Secretary of State Kissinger wanted to conduct the airlift, but the urgency was there with Nixon. He said to them, you get the stuff to Israel now. Now, he repeated. The Nixon administration initiated Operation Nickelgrass, an American airlift to replace all of Israel's lost munitions. This was huge. Plane load after plane load of supplies literally allowed munitions and material to seemingly respawn for the Israeli counter-effort. 567 missions were flown throughout the airlift, dropping over 22,000 tons of supplies. An additional 90,000 tons of material were delivered by sea. According to Abraham Rabinovich, while the American airlift of supplies did not immediately replace Israel's losses in equipment, it did allow Israel to expend what it did have more freely. Nixon's initiated aerial resupply operation to Israel started on October 13th. Nicknamed Nickelgrass, the airlift soon proved the value of maintaining a responsive and efficient military airlift system. For the next 32 days, Max C-141 and C-5 cargo transports streamed steadily into Lod International Airport at Tel Aviv from on-load points throughout the United States carrying urgently needed war materials. The war spanned nearly three weeks, from October 6th to October 25th, 
1973. Most fighting had ended by October 26, but it was the swift and certain actions of America's president that gave Israel a fighting chance and allowed her to defeat the enemies who attacked her. Israel's victory came at the cost of heavy casualties, and Israelis criticized the government's lack of preparedness. In April 1974, Prime Minister Golda Meir stepped down. But now the rest of the story. Yes, it does all come back to mothers. And Hannah Nixon was that special mother. William Ross Wallace wrote these words 20 years before Hannah Nixon was born. For the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. Yet, he might well have been talking of President Richard Nixon's mother. When Golda Meir's call came in, Nixon remembered his mother's words. He said, I could almost hear my mother's voice. She would tell me stories and read to me from the Old Testament, the heroes of the Bible. And one afternoon she said, Richard, someday you're going to be in a position where you can help save the Jewish people. And when that day comes, you must do everything in your power. Yes, Nixon became God's angel for Israel when he remembered his mother's voice from long ago. The unexpected attack on Israel early on the morning of October 7th this year is reminiscent of the Yom Kippur attack. We still don't know how Israel's intelligence team failed to know the attack was coming. We do know, however, that $6 billion was released to Iran by Biden, and that money was most likely used to fund Hamas. Israelis have been abducted, children kidnapped, families murdered. They need the help of the United States, who has gained so many innovative developments from Israel. The U.S.-Israeli alliance now contributes more than ever to American security as bilateral cooperation to deal with both military and non-military and challenges has grown in recent years. But this time, their own security is in jeopardy, and America's president is silent. And under the radar, the U.S. just approved $75 million in aid to Palestine. That's from Kelly Nelson. What are we going to do? What are you going to do? What am I going to do? This morning at 6 a.m. Central Time at a prayer meeting, 6 a.m. prayer meeting that I help lead Monday through Friday, we talked about the curse of fear, living under that curse. Let me tell you something that's factual. When somebody allows fear to dominate their thought life, whenever that is something that they just can't turn the, the spigot off and fear creeps up, and controls all of the things that we think about. When that happens, you can almost always bet they're going to be bad results. 
How do you get fear to not control you, Dan? Well, it takes, I guess, what would be called a simple act of trust and belief and believing that God's word is true. Remember this. The Israeli people are God's chosen people. Everything that came from heaven, the law, his son, everything, everything came through Israel. And that's why the Israeli people are God's chosen people. He is not going to turn his back on the people of Israel. Let's pray that our president doesn't either. Because if that happens, somebody will pay the price for making that choice. And I don't want it to be me or you. Thank you for being here today. Look, we're going to watch all week long. We're going to keep you posted with the latest important stuff. So, you have a great day, a great Monday. Pray for the Israeli people. Pray for peace. Be safe. We'll see you tomorrow.
just sing it.